As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to The Shamrock. I'm Pete Sampson, joined by my co-host Matt Fortuna in Chicago. It's the first day, as we record this, of the early period of National Signing Day, which is essentially the old February National Signing Day. When I, I got to say, Matt, like when I got up today, I was like, I, you know, I kind of missed the circus of uh, the February National Signing Day when it just dominates all news headlines. And then, lo and behold, the number <laughs> one player in the country signs with Deion Sanders. Um but Notre Dame gets a, a top 10 class as we record this of number seven on 24-7 sports and number seven on rivals, which makes it the second highest or the highest rated class since the 2013 group that had Jalen Smith in it. Will Fuller, um, certainly the, uh, the standard by which all other Brian Kelly classes were measured. And in so many ways, this is, this wasn't the last Brian Kelly class. It was the first Marcus Freeman class um, where they made the most progress. Was at linebacker, which was Marcus Freeman's position where they need to move forward. The most is at receiver. And now that Marcus Freeman is head coach, I think that you will see that happen, but very much this was a play to your strengths class and kill it at those positions. But uh, I think also a reminder of like where Notre Dame needs to go next in recruiting. Yeah, just a completely different vibe and atmosphere, much like every other day so far since there's been a coaching yeah. change. But it really rung home today, the difference in, in Notre Dame's operation, particularly in the recruiting realm. I mean, uh, you mentioned you know how high they were ranked and where that ranks among previous classes. The, the takeaway I got from today was, hey, we got a top 10 class and we're just getting started. Um, exactly. Whereas before, I mean, geez, the bells and whistles and back paddings we would have got, we would have heard out of the Goog if they signed a number seven class and almost got into the top five would, would have been like, see, this is the best we can do. We did it. Blah, blah, blah. Like it, it was just so refreshing to hear them like happy, but not satisfied. I mean, how many different yes. times did we hear some version of, um, building a personal relationship with your head coach and being accessible as a head coach. And even Tommy Reese got asked about that and said, yeah, like the most important person in Notre Dame football right now is Marcus Freeman. If I'm with a kid who wants to talk to Marcus Freeman, 
I can make that happen very quickly because he's the head coach who's accessible and wants to get to know um, his recruits. And again, I don't want to make it sound like we keep piling on Brian Kelly, but you know, we strongly alluded and in some cases wrote as much when he was still the head coach in Notre Dame yes. and always got pushback for it. And now everyone who was pushing back on us is probably saying the same thing, especially on national signing day. Um, it's just different. This is the way business gets done in 2022 in the case of this cycle. And it's refreshing to see again, number seven in the country. Like that's, that's no small feat. I mean, when Brian Kelly said, I think we can be top five what was this, two years ago. It was like, Whoa, where'd that come from? And, and how are you going to do that? And I would say maybe they were the beneficiaries of a lot of coaching turnover elsewhere, but you know who had a head coaching turnover the last three weeks? Notre Dame did. And yeah. they seemed to have nailed it, at least the off-field component to it so far. So um, just a different vibe around the program right now, a lot more excitement and, again, refreshing to see and hear this framed essentially as like, all right, like maybe everyone else is on notice now, but but like this is – this is going to be the aberration. It's not going to be the aberration because it's higher than normal. It's the aberration because we'll hopefully be in the top five next year, not the top seven. I mean, it, it feels like the floor, really. I mean, right. it's – and you look at the other classes just in the 24-7 sports rankings who had coaching changes. I think USC and Washington, I think, were in the 90s. Uh, Florida was 50. I don't – you know, Oregon was way down there. Um Oklahoma got it together in a hurry, but was still below Notre Dame. You know, Notre Dame had three decommits. C.J. Williams, who dropped Notre Dame on Monday, then Amorian Walker, who flipped from Notre Dame to Michigan today. They had Devin Moore, who decommitted uh, soon after Brian Kelly left and then signed with Florida today. And that was it. And there, there really wasn't, like, this undercurrent of, like, woo, they held on to these two or three guys that were really looking around. It was... You know, it's, I think what's most fascinating for me about Notre Dame recruiting moving forward is like, yes, there are, 100% is true that there is a large group of people out there, prospects, who will sign with Notre Dame regardless of who the head coach is because it's just different. Like it's the, the academic demands and the degree you get are different on the other side. But now there's also a group of people signing with Notre Dame that are signing because of the head coach. Um, Jalen Sneed is one of them. Uh, Junior Tule Halamaka from California is one of them. Both of them are linebackers. I don't think Notre Dame gets either of those if, if Brian Kelly is the head coach and Marcus Freeman was the DC at LSU last year. Like if that, if he made a different career decision, they don't get either of those guys. So if you can marry the sort of brand four for 40 appeal of Notre Dame with a head coach who is like, has some like it qualities on the recruiting trail. That's that. I mean, that is a dynamic place for Notre Dame to be. And I think you also on top of that has a, have a head coach who are, is going to look at his staff and evaluate them differently as recruiters than what Brian Kelly ever did. Like how, how often do we talk about, you know, coaches on Notre Dame staff under Kelly who are like, you know, just just an okay recruiter or below average recruiter. Like, I just don't think that's going to stand anymore with Marcus Freeman. No, and that was another refreshing part to hear was was Marcus Freeman say, and I'm paraphrasing here, but I need to be the lead recruiter on every guy we're going after, and hopefully, if I'm the hardest working guy in the room, that will set a standard for everyone else. And Tommy Reese and Mike Elson both spoke right right afterward 
and echo those sentiments. Like you don't want to be the slouch on staff, like the black uh, sheep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like if this guy can do it, then we can do it. This is our jobs. And this is again, how business gets done. The other part that was interesting to me was Marcus Freeman directly saying we were a little bit offense defense with each of us taking care of our sides of the ball when it came to recruiting. Um, And he said, uh, you know, we have to cross recruit no matter what we do. And, and, and I put this out there on Twitter, I think, but more than anything else, I heard that as a major, like, you know, in the past and past years under the Brian Kelly regime, talking to people in that building, that was like the one thing that a lot of people in the trenches there could not get over. Like, how do we not communicate more amongst each other as a staff when we're evaluating prospects? How do we not, if we're not, if the offensive, the offensive staff is, is is sour on an offensive lineman, how do we not at least have the defensive staff say maybe that guy can can be a defense lineman for us? There was none of that over the past mm-hmm. several years there, and, and to hear again Marcus Freeman again address that head on and, and and talk about it the way he did, it's refreshing. It's like again all the things we've talked about for many for however many years we've been doing this podcast have. A, essentially been actualized and spoken into, yes. into the public air um, by the head coach of Notre Dame. So uh, I'll be curious to see where that lands them in, in the next couple of years, but so far so good. So much of the last few years with Brian Kelly has been like, all right, here are the reasons why we can't do this. And Marcus Freeman came in and was like, well, here are the reasons why we can. And that is just such a refreshing, optimistic approach to recruiting and where it can all go. Is that going to make things any easier for Notre Dame? I mean, if, if you maybe a little, just cause like the head coach is like working his butt off all the time uh, and recruiting and that prioritize it. And there's no way that the staff is not going to try to get on his level about it. Um, but look, Notre Dame is still in Northern Indiana, still a small Catholic school. You know, there's not, those things are not changing. I think that Mike Elston and, and Marcus Freeman referenced those today. Like this place is not without challenges, but there's, I think such a low tolerance for accepting that as a reason why something can't happen now, that that is such a big step in the next direction in a new direction. And that's why it's, I think I sort of look at this class as, you know, 21 players ranked seventh still feels like this is a bit of a new standard because of the way Notre Dame reacted to it. The way they presented it today is like, this is a great start of something, not crossing any kind of finish line. Yeah. I mean, Tommy Reese said this, I think on one of his several podcast hits, or maybe said up there today, but um, here the offense coordinator and former quarterback of Notre Dame say, we've never been cool and we are cool for once, or at least I'm getting the vibe that we are cool for once. Like we're the cool yep. school. People want to come to us. And it's one thing for me and you to say it. It's another thing for, again, a former four-year quarterback and, and an offense coordinator of the program to say it. There, there's, there's a palpable buzz right now around this program. You're saying that we're not, we're not tastemakers uh, <laughs> in the realm of like high school teenage, high school teenagers who are, can run a four, four. I don't think I've ever been – my name has ever appeared next to the word tastemaker in any realm at any point in my life whatsoever. Fair, so same. Th- thanks for same. bringing that up now, Very Pete. True. Um, but it, it, it means a lot. Um, it's different. I mean, I don't know if we talked about on this podcast, Marcus's Players' Tribune piece that he came out with, I think, 
maybe a day or two after he was introduced as head coach, you know, it was a good piece. It was, you know, frankly, fairly standard, you know, new coach introducing himself mm-hmm. and his background to a wider audience. And it, it was good, but you know, the, the, the most telling part of that piece to me, the one that raised my eyebrows was when he talked about sitting with Tyrone Willingham as a recruit and choosing Ohio state over Notre Dame and sitting and choosing between LSU and Notre Dame last year as a defense coordinator. And, you know, he, he said a line to the effect of this time, I didn't want to make the same mistake twice. And my first reaction was like, Whoa, like I think Ohio state worked out pretty well for you. I mean, you're a head coach at 35 right. with your Ohio state education. You made two national title games and had a cup of coffee in the NFL. Like I, Tyron Willingham was going down with or without you, but buddy, as right. linebacker, it's not going to change that. I, I think you 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 made a good choice, but um, you know, as, as I talked with some other people, um, a lot smarter than me about that, and they're like, no, 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 that was like Marcus Freeman taking a direct shot at Ohio State recruiting wise, basically as a warning sign, like, hey, we're coming, like. You did not have to worry about us. We were out of sight, out of mind for the most part, especially in the state of Ohio, if it was a player you guys were after. Uh, but those days are over. And we, we've heard that to a lesser effect from some people in Columbus that we both speak to about, you know, oh, wait, where'd Notre Dame come from? Oh, Marcus Freeman's here now. We actually got to work for some of these kids. Um, now it's game on. And, and I think combination of, of you know, what he wrote and said last week, combination of the way they presented today's class again number seven class is nothing to sneeze at but this would have been cause for celebration with brian kelly and you laid it out perfectly in your story today yeah number seven class you had one top 100 prospect AM had 13 alabama had 13 george had 11 ohio state had seven like i think Notre Dame sees this the way me and you and most of our fan base sees it which is like this is great this is exciting we still have so much to do to yep. get to the standard that we want to ultimately set here. Yeah. I mean, there's no question. It was interesting. Like Marcus actually kind of backed off the Ohio state comment in before his first post-practice presser over the weekend. Uh, I don't know if you had, you had seen that, but he's just like, I, I didn't mean to essentially take a shot, like at a good time at Columbus, but I, I do think you're right. Like it was a, a warning shot to Ohio state. And then like, look, whatever he writes in the players tribune, like the real warning shot is getting Brennan Vernon to commit mm-hmm. the four-star defensive end to it. I talked to him last week and just like to try to get him like, you know, what's it like to be recruited by Marcus? And he said, it's like you go there and it's like walking to your grandmother's house on Thanksgiving. Like that's, that's sort of the vibe and the energy that, that it creates. And like, you know, the whole bands thing, and I also had reached out to Scott Docterman who covers Iowa for us because I wanted to know, like, with Xavier Wonka, the four, almost five-star safety, depending mm-hmm. on where you look, like, Notre Dame was on him pretty good. And he talked to Xavier. He talked to Xavier's mom. He talked to, I think, Iowa's recruiting director, who is Kurt Ferentz's, um, I think, son-in-law. And I'll, I'll just read the quote. Uh, onto this podcast before I write about it. But this was from Tyler Barnes, who is Iowa's recruiting director. And his quote was, me personally, I was really nervous when Notre Dame hired Marcus Freeman. I know they were really close, meaning Xavier and Marcus. I thought we were right there at the finish line and crazy coaching changes take place. Like usually when there's a coaching change, that works against the team that changed Mm -hmm. coaches. Um, 
in this case, and you know, I don't, I think it was Wonka's mom mentioned that if Xavier made a decision based on the head coach, the decision was Notre Dame, but you didn't want to get that far away from home, wanted a bigger campus environment. So it sort of gets back to what I was saying earlier. It's like, you're getting the self-selective group who wants to be at Notre Dame because like they want the Notre Dame experience academically, socially, culturally, like there are enough players to sign a top 15 class every year with that. There are not enough players to sign a top five class every year with that. That's where you have to convince other people to come aboard where, I mean, this is the point of recruiting, right? The point of recruiting is to get somebody else to see it your way. Uh, and I think that Marcus Freeman is going to be relentless and the, this coaching staff will be relentless in that regard moving forward. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, look, Pete, you wrote this, you know, you mentioned this in the story you wrote today. It's hard to think that 10 months ago, the same calendar year, um, which I believe was also the first public introduction of Marcus Freeman, I mean, Notre Dame put out a TED Talk, essentially, like why they are the way they are. And the head coach got up there, gave a brief statement, disappeared, didn't take questions. And everything else, for the most part, amounted to essentially, uh, you know, a legal team's defense of why things are the way they are. And it was not coincidence that that was in light of, you know, the, the Tyson Ford story that you wrote that I, I think you couldn't have been more generous publicly to Brian Kelly and his um, involvement or lack thereof of that recruitment. If you tried to be, and it still rubbed a lot of people there the wrong way because truth hurts, quite frankly, as we're seeing now. And, um, it, it's just remarkable to think that that was what I think that was the February signing day press conference. I think that, uh, that was true. Yeah. And so here's like the first next step, the first next signing day after that. And it's night and day. And frankly, a lot of the characters are the same, like other than Brian Kelly and Brian Foley and everyone's still at Notre Dame right now. So, um, weird to look at it in that context. The other part that's interesting, and I'm not sure this gets talked about enough and look, Notre Dame's in a New Year's Six Bowl game. Maybe this changes on January 2nd after the Oklahoma State game. They have had one player enter the transfer portal since they've had a coaching change. One. Litchfield Ajavon. I don't even know if I'm saying his name right, but that tells Ajavon. you about Ajavon. Yeah. There you go. Who, by the way, is still practicing with the team. Oh, so he'll – yeah. All right. He's a grad transfer. I mean, I see the – Yeah, the I think it's more like – Yeah, after this year, he will leave. Like, he's still on the active roster right now, which is – like. Usually when guys hit the portal, they're, they're out. Or if they declare like for the draft. Um, <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't hear from them again. Um, 
so yeah, that, that is pretty wild. I, I think it, it speaks to the culture that was here while Brian, you know, that Brian Kelly helped build. And mm-hmm. um, maybe it was a good segue to the videos that they put out yeah. today, but like Mario Morris was uh, prominently featured. I don't, I don't know Mario. You do. Um, I think that also like people that I know who know him speak very highly of him, but like he had a folder on his desk in the videos that you sort of have to pause and zoom in on it. But it was like, I'm paraphrasing here, but I think it said like the culture Marcus Freeman is the only choice um, written in large, you know, permanent marker. So yeah, I just think that there's a lot. There's a lot of good. Notre Dame is in a good way as a program right now. Um, and I don't know if it ever. It's been a long time since it's been in a bad spot. Like even when Notre Dame is losing, the Notre Dame degree is still winning. So I don't think people are in a hurry to leave here. I don't think that the one the, the lack of a, a waiting period when you transfer is going to change that. But the videos themselves, uh, very popular in my house. Um, my wife was upset when Eli Raritan did not appear to have a video uh, on the Rain website. And I had to point out that on the twitter.com, that video was posted. But I thought they were great. They're so great that Tate has a haircut scheduled at that barber on Friday. Uh, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm all about what's happening in those videos. The Undefeated was very complimentary of Marcus Freeman's hair um, at his introductory press conference. I think that flip some of the narratives of South Bend on its head nationally and publicly. Uh, the videos were awesome. Uh, I was uh, partial to Steve Angelis. I mean, anytime you can like really like bring the Jersey out of everybody and go to, I think it was a pizza place and get some like true authentic characters. Um, I, I love the, like they were sort of like out in the community here a little bit. Like I think when you think of stuff that Notre Dame does, it's like, Notre Dame ends at Eddie Street Commons and like, that's it. But they were at Sunny Italy, um, which is this really old school Italian restaurant. That's where they were playing cards. Um, I don't know what the bowling alley was that they were at, but there are not that many bowling alleys here. And who's the guy in not. the Red Sox gear with the, the, the boss? I mean, I didn't recognize half. The I don't know. Maybe I'm just an idiot, but I, I think they were at the backer at some point, or maybe that was a bar at the bowling alley. I'm, I'm pretty sure the two old guys were at the South Bend Farmers Market Diner. Um, Marcus himself was at the, I can't remember the name of the, the barbershop in Mishawaka. Um, Armand's was but, like the head coach go-to place forever, right? Right uh, off campus. Yeah, Armando's. Armando's, is, I'm yeah, sorry. Not, and this is obviously quite a bit different. Like, you will, you will be surprised to know that Marcus Freeman and Charlie Weiss don't get their hair cut in the same place. I, um, no, I know, I know Weiss yeah. didn't go there because it was a big deal when Kelly did go there because that was like the place for yeah. Nerd Aim head coaches. Um, but, you know, so they're over in Michigan. Can we keep talking about hair on, on Domes on yeah, Domers? Exactly. While we're... Uh, tattoo parlor. Um, Marcus, the, the shots of Marcus where he's like, we got him. Or like where he's not in the barbershop is at this restaurant called Doc Pierce's in Mishawaka, which is like Super old school. Um, so, I, I, you know, look, this is another, like, I hate to draw the comparisons again, but, like, I don't – these videos were going to happen if Brian Kelly was still the head coach. Like, this, this idea had already been hatched. But Brian Kelly out in sort of the greater Michiana community was not really a thing. 
Um, and Marcus, for how big a deal the head coach at Notre Dame is, is not acting like a big deal when you go out and do this stuff. Like, I think that he was, he seemed to have a good time with it. And, you know, I thought the videos, the Tim Brown part with Tobias Merriweather mm-hmm. was really good. Um, I think that when they did something with Tyson Ford, they were calling him like the bone crusher. He breaks bones. And then they had Joe Theismann on and he was just like <laughs> blankly staring at the camera. Like, you know, Tom Rinaldi, future or yeah. former fortress. There's a Shamrock the Shamrock was on there. That, that um, looked like Lambeau Field he was in, by the way. Ryan Harris as well. Ryan um, Harris. Golick. Golick is, yeah, all sorts of Shamrock former guests. Uh, so, I just thought like they were funny. The production value I thought was really high. And I mean, as we've seen before, when you do 20 of something, it's hard to be unique with them. But I, I felt like I wanted to watch all 20, which is not when I saw the first one, I'm like, all right, I'll probably just watch five. Right. Um, but they were all unique under themselves. So I, I you know, job well done to, to fighting Irish media on that. No, it was fun. They, they all had the nice personal touch. And, you know, it almost had this kind of where's Waldo effect of like, who am I going to see in this one? Right. Like, yeah. Brady Quinn in this one. Tim Brown in this one. Yeah. Seamus. Um, Shouldn't uh, do Manduque's brother, I guess, was in it. Um, I'm, I, I want to, I'm sure there, there were some pretty famous and important people in these that we just didn't recognize in real time that maybe someone a little more. In one of the barbershop, I, someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Bo Bauer was actually getting his haircut in one of them. He gets haircuts? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It, did, it looked like a Bo great Bauer. Head of hair. I, could, I could be totally wrong. But yeah, I just thought like they were well done. And like you go back to, was it two years ago where they're like... The daily routine yeah, stuff. The daily routine. And then like, you see him walking down in like the jersey and then the cap and gown through the tunnel. Like... Um, they had the the parents were, one was good two years ago too. That's the one that I'm talking about. Oh, okay, like, I'm sorry. Yeah, the routine was last year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The yeah, right. The, the routine was good, but like, I don't know if it really stood out. But the parents one for a couple of years ago, I thought was remarkable. And then today's today's felt just like very high end in terms of the production value on it. Right. Which I mean, then I, I watched some from other schools, and I was like, "This is a dreck." Like, like these felt more Notre Dame produced where the other ones were relying as much on the prospects themselves and their families. Right. To do I mean, stuff. I made this, I made this point to somebody today. It's like, that's a genius way to do it because as someone who in a former reporting life had to rely on high school kids to answer the phone <laughs> and talk like the less the prospect is in it. Um, sometimes is better. Because then you can get sort of get the stories around it. I know Notre Dame did some research into, you know, the factoids about them, maybe a nickname or kind of tall tales here or there. Like Notre Dame did their research on it with the prospects when they visited. Um, you know, I think there was one with Tobias Merriweather where they actually had video of Marcus with the family on the visit. Uh, but I, they did it. They just did a really nice job. I thought it was like it was funny. It was memorable, it was unique. Like they, they just had a lot going for them. Yeah, I thought they knocked it out of the park with that. By the way, it wouldn't be a national signing day if it wasn't dominated by a story about Urban Meyer. <laughs> this one a little bit different than the signing day Urban Meyer stories um, we're used to hearing. I mean, it, it, it just, I, 
I don't even know what to say anymore, but I, I just thought it was really funny that today of all days, like he's trending on Twitter again. And it's for like something that was unique and uh, crossed the boundaries, even by his um, lofty standards. The man just, knows how to exciting day. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he it, sure does. It's uh yeah, it's remarkable that to look back at Notre Dame coaching searches of your and, who the guys that Notre Dame, the Notre Dame fan base really wanted, you know, it's down to urban Meyer and John Gruden. Like what that just (laughs) like multiple generations ago. And then you're sitting here with Marcus Freeman, who's like doing videos at a barbershop and they've got like tattoo parlor stuff in there and just they're doing, it, it just feels very modern and optimistic and forward thinking around Notre Dame football, like cool, as you mentioned, like, I hope that we'll be able to – I'm optimistic that we'll be able to get a coach on next week and I, who knows Notre Dame football really well and ask him about like that cool factor part because I don't, I don't know when Notre Dame has been cool in the 21 years I've covered it. And this, this mean, might be it. This might be the first even, time. Even as they are quote-unquote cool, I mean, Mike Elson's direct quote today was the glitz and the glamour is not here. Right. Um, and he's not like wrong. Um no, it's never, it, as you said at the start of this podcast, it's a place that in the past you were either preconditioned to like it or not. And they cast in some ways, I mean, not all of the Kelly era, this probably predates Kelly, but you know, in some ways, like it was a self-fulfilling pro- prophecy of casting a smaller net of guys that, you know, private school kids who we know are into us and winning changes that. Um, I think the dynamics of NIL and just what, you know, brands and what high school kids want out of their college experience and their college degree changes that. I think the transfer portal changes that for the same reasons you said, like this degree means a lot. And the fact that they underwent a coaching change and only have one guy in the portal right now and he's still on the team. I mean, I haven't done the math yet, but I can guarantee you all those other blue bloods that just lost players. You know, I saw a couple guys from Oregon in there today um, or that just lost coaches, you know, Oregon, Miami, Oklahoma, USC, like they all got more than one guy in the portal. I'm pretty sure. Um, there's no mass exodus. There wasn't any small exodus. It's, it's been uh, as stable as can possibly be given all that happened in the last, mm-hmm. uh, last couple of weeks. I mean, I think Reese made the, the you know, defending the Alamo kind of uh, analogy about it. And he got asked about that today too. Like, did you ever feel like we felt this way about this place before? Um, and he, he cut off, I think it was Adam Ritterberger, a friend who asked a question. He basically cut him off. He's like, absolutely never, not, never like this, like <laughs> a rallying of the nerdy yeah. people and the people, like people who were, who have touched this place in the last couple of weeks that I just never would have even thought of, um, has been pretty remarkable and we'll see where, where that takes them in the long term. short term. It's, it's been a win for everybody. I mean, you said it multiple times. Nerding fans are in universal agreement on something positive, I should say. They've been in universal agreement on hating Peacock and some other things that weren't so great. Um, they're in universal agreement in a happy place right now. Um, hopefully, for their sake, that stays that way on January 1st, and then we get a whole honeymoon offseason um, where they want to talk to us <laughs> and come on the Shamrock. <laughs> but we'll see where that takes them long-term, but in the short term, I mean, it's, it's, it's gone as good as you can possibly draw it up. 
What uh, I don't have any like concrete thoughts about NIL at the moment, but Marcus Freeman was asked about it today, specifically like, what do you do against teams who are essentially cheating in NIL was the subtext of the question. Not cheating though. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I don't know what it is. Um, you know, and Mike Elson talked about, Hey, we would like to promote the fact that Kyle Hamilton made sure. like six figures. Um, you know, he didn't use that term, but I believe that's true. Um, how much, but then Notre Dame signs a top 10 class. that was actually better with a coaching change than anything they've signed since 2013. So like, all right. I mean, NIL clearly had a major impact on recruiting this cycle. I just, I don't know how much of an impact it, it had on Notre Dame, nor do I have a really good idea of like how much impact it's going to have on Notre Dame moving forward. It's got to have some, but I, I have a hard time quantifying it. I think in the short term, it hasn't had a major positive or negative effect on Notre Dame or I mean, frankly, for the most part, college football as we know it, if you go on 24-7 right now and look at the top 10 classes, there aren't going to be any surprises there. It's not like, no. oh, these guys can pay players now. They're again a top 10 class. No, like Alabama's still Alabama, Georgia's still Georgia, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'll be curious how that turns out in the long term. I think the whole, you know, world is ending narrative that, that's been out there um, is just nonsense. Um, you know, I mean, what – Three years ago, North, half of North Carolina's roster got suspended for selling their own shoes. And now you've got UCLA Olympic sport athletes signing Nike deals. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, a well overdue course correction to what had been an incredibly one-sided kind of uh, arrangement between student athletes and their universities and, and coaches and adults who are, who are paid by these universities. Um, I do think eventually, and I, I don't have an answer for this, uh, much smarter people than me hopefully do, but like, I think in the end, it'll be a net positive for Notre Dame. I just think we've spent so much time talking about how unique that, how unique that place is, how different it is, how much that degree is valued, how important that network is, how they have the top business school in the country. There are smart people there who can figure out a way to create a cocktail out of all those ingredients right. that's only Notre Dame will be able to present and present it in a, conforming, legal, whatever you want to use kind of way, compliant way within NCAA rules. Um, Kyle Hamilton, this year is a great example. Now, are they all going to be top five, top 10 NFL draft picks? Probably not, but they're still going to have marketing power and brand power. And, mm -hmm. you know, what's that mean for college football as far as will new teams get in the mix? Will they not? I don't know. I think everyone's still trying to figure out what works, what doesn't. I mean, it was obviously a... a incredible sight to see the number one player in the country go to Jackson state today. Um, yeah. I would imagine there's some NIL stuff at play there. Nothing is out there yet as far as like what he would be possibly getting to go there. But like, let's not beat around the bush. Like Jackson state isn't this random FCS program. It's an FCF program coached by one of the greatest football players and biggest personalities of all time. And the guy who chose to go there plays the position of said individual, Deion Sanders. Um, I think it's great to see, you know, without knowing all, all the, the machinations behind the scenes, it's great to see HBCU and a, you know, quote unquote off the tracks program benefit from this and uh, improve its, its status in the college football world, likely through 
the, the legalization, if you will, of NIL. Um, but, but as far as what it's going to do for college football, I mean, there are going to be some schools that, that execute it better than others. Um, and I think there are other schools that are going to have to, you know, really think about how they want to implement this, but, you know, again, it's long overdue. Jimbo Fisher went on Paul Feinbaum today and basically said, this has always been happening. It's just legal now. And we can talk about it. Lane Kiffin has essentially said it's free agency and, you know, whoever gets you the best deal is where you're going to go. Um, we'll see. I mean, there's more power to the players right now and, Look, a lot of these things are not contractual. Something Lane Kiffin mentioned, I believe, today as well. Well, there's also the transfer portal. So kids feel like they're getting screwed over, at least as far as not being delivered what they were promised. They can just put their name in there and go anywhere. And if they're a highly yeah. recruited kid, everyone's going to come after them. So I, I fully embrace it. Obviously, it would be nice if there was some kind of guidance between besides the NCAA spending years and millions to fight this thing and then relenting to states, which are not on equal playing fields right now. Um, but that's that's kind of the state of college sports and the NCAA in a nutshell for you. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I I basically agree with you. I, and I also think it, it reminds me of something Jack Storberg has said. I don't know if it's to, to you or me or both of us in separate times, but like that he sort of feels like Notre Dame's distinctions become more distinct. Right. Not because Notre Dame is F making it that way, but the rest of college football is like moving in an opposite direction. Like I am concerned that it's going to move too far in an opposite direction. There's going to be like, you know, a, a chasm between what Notre Dame is doing and whatever else is doing. And at that point it, it, it will feel like Notre Dame's sort of playing in a, just by completely different rules of, not rule different rules by choice, which is sort of what they're doing now, but just legitimately a different kind of NIL era in agreement. That may be years and years away. I don't know, but it, it's just interesting to me that people would tweet at me and say, NIL is ruining, ruining the sport. And I'm like, well, Notre Dame just signed its best class in nine years. Uh, it's top defensive player was making six figures who played half the season going to be a top five pick. Like, did you, did Kyle Hamilton's second interception in Florida state become less pleasurable for you? Because he had a deal with Roback? I would hope not. Um, Kyler Murray made more money than Lincoln Riley the year he won the Heisman from the A's. I think Oklahoma and Kyler Murray were just fine that year. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't, I don't see it lessening the uh, enjoyment people are getting out of college football 
at least on September Saturdays and October Saturdays and November Saturdays. Um, on the middle of December on a Wednesday, maybe it's something that you can gnash your teeth over. Certainly Florida State fans got less enjoyment out of the signing day than they were expecting. It's not like Florida State um, can't offer whatever Jackson State. Yeah. Like, I don't feel sympathy for you if you're losing a recruit to Jackson State. That's on you. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. That's like something. They had the number two, off. they had the number two class in the ACC. Like, I think they're yeah. going to be, I mean, I don't know if they're going to be fine. It's been a rough few years of that program, but I think they're on the right path back. Right. Notre Dame, number one class in the ACC. I guess they're not. The were they higher than Carolina? They were higher than Carolina by one spot. There you go. Um, That's impressive because Carolina's been yeah. an absolute role. All right, you know who? Like, know. That I, is oh. an interesting like narrative discussion, though. Like Carolina recruiting juggernaut. Notre Dame, well, oh, it's pretty good. Well, uh, Notre Dame is actually seven, and Carolina was eight. Well, Carolina went what five hundred this year. I mean, I, I yeah, that's why the surprise factor is. I will say, like, to to see the other side of this thing. If I'm an Ohio State fan, and it was very clear that Quinn Ewers used us to get a million dollar kombuka deal or whatever it was, because he obviously was not going so, to. Do we believe that you like who is spending a million dollars on kombucha? Uh, I mean, it would still, I mean, I believe that it's real because why else would he have gone? It's not like he was going to play when he gets to Ohio freaking state a week before yeah. the season. Like, I covered their opener and I was on the sideline pregame talking to some people there. I'm like, so what do you think of this? I'm just, and they're just like, what the hell are we going to say? No, the kids' parents called us up, said we want to come. Sure, you're welcome here. Like you're five star yeah. recruit. Um, obviously, he wasn't going to play there. Obviously, he just wanted to get to college immediately because Texas would not allow him as a high right. school kid to benefit that. And that's the other that, the high school. I was going to say, like the reclassification to me, that's something Notre Dame is going to have to be more on guard about than these weird NIL deals. Well, I, just this week you saw Sonny Styles, the the younger brother of Lorenzo Styles, reclassify to go to Ohio State. I know he committed to Ohio State before this, but like that could be a differentiating factor, a deciding factor in recruitment down the road. I I just don't think there's anything Notre Dame could do about that. Yeah, I mean that's that's a question better suited probably for the academic people at Notre Dame than it is for me or you, and obviously they take that seriously. I don't know what their appetite would be for welcoming in a kid who might not be ready academically. Um, But the, the, the state high school laws, and again, hopefully this will eventually get fixed. I know better than to put our faith in the federal government to snap their fingers and come up with a federal NIL law. Um, But actually I I had a, I have an outstanding bet with a couple of our colleagues back in Arizona, which was what happens first federal NIL law or college football playoff expansion. And I was the only one who took mm. expansion. And I thought I won in June when they announced it, and they're still dragging their feet on it. So it's still a, a TBD winner, although I like my my chances better than theirs. But the high school thing is interesting to me because that's where I think this thing um, will really show itself as a difference maker. Like Texas did not have – Texas, that was not allowed to do as a high school kid. So Quinn Ewers leaves and, like, Leaving Texas high school football, especially if you're like going for a state title, like that's that's bigger than college football in most states. Right. Um, there's a kid, and the name escapes me right now. I could look it up, but you know, Nebraska basketball's got a recruit, I think, out of California who's already got a bunch of deals that he's making money off as a high school kid because it's legal where he is and where he's going. Um, that's not the case if you're in Texas or in one of these states that 
has yet to to push those laws through. So that's where when you've got a tip, I don't want to say like Notre Dame's got to tailor their NIL pitch to people from different states because I don't think they're that far down the road with this yet. But that's where I think you will see this getting exploited the most until there's a an even playing field rules wise by whether it's the NCA or the local and federal governments um, to get everyone on the same page. Because again, if you can leave one state to go make money in another state, but you can't do that elsewhere. Um, obviously certain states are going to benefit from that. There is no question about that. I just, that's I, for how much attention gets paid to it, I am interested to sort of see it's sort of retro fit, like how much impact it actually had in it. Like, I don't know. I'm sure you've, you've written about NIL. I know I did the big Kyle Hamilton story. Like, I think people are really interested in the off season and the game starts and I don't care. No, no. I mean, uh, I feel like, it, you know, not to get too in the weeds. I feel like anything, any of us wrote on NIL, it, it was like, it was a good Twitter world is burning discussion for right. a few days, but like no one's paying to read about it. I don't think people care that much to be honest. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm totally with you on that. So it's, I don't, I don't know where that's all going to go, but it just, the, the temperature got turned up a little bit today. I think particularly with the Murray and Walker situation, some like message board buzz about NIL stuff with Michigan. So I, I'm not sure where that all goes, but it, um, it's something Notre Dame is, is already aware of. Um, and I do think it, it probably feeds into the self-selective nature of Notre Dame where the reason you go to Notre Dame is not so you can get a 50 grand NIL deal. But so you can have access to a, I don't know what a three hundred thousand dollar education for free. Like that also hooks you up with, like Kyle Hamilton is sort of connected with Jimmy Dunn now, like in a, a tangible way. Not like, hey, we both went to Notre Dame. Like you just don't, you don't have access to that kind of stuff at a lot of other places. So that, on top of graduating from here or getting your degree from here, there's there's that alumni and network part of it. And like, I think that's probably where Notre Dame can enhance itself a little bit more. You know, that you, I think of Braden Lindsay, when I talked to him in camp about the internship he did at, I think it was Frontier Capital. I'm not sure if I remember the name of the venture capital firm in Chicago, but he was not an econ major, not a finance major, but wanted to experiment with that. So it was like, what did he do? Who do I know who makes money? Pat Mendoza. We call Tom Mendoza. Tom Mendoza makes a call. Boom. Braden Lindsay has a three week internship at a private equity firm in Chicago. Like that's the kind of stuff where I do think Notre Dame would be well served to kind of do more of it or advertise more of that. Um, It's a different kind of NIL thing. It's not like a quick cash payment, but if you're a Notre Dame football player, I would think that, and you want to, go to a place where you get a degree that's a little bit different. I would think that stuff would play pretty well. We should get our friend Brandon Wilbush on here because he is the perfect example. And he went on with our friend, Andy Sables. You should all listen to it. Um, he's a chief athletic officer at mogul, which Pete has written about, which was mm-hmm. co-founded by him and Aiden Sayal, a third classmate of his that basically educates athletes and connects them with NIL opportunities. And, you know, Brandon Wimbush is a great example of everything you were just talking about. I mean, he went to college, a good college, obviously Notre Dame, 
And while there, he saw all the opportunities that were afforded to him. And he said, I want to be a CEO one day. And now he's like 25 and he's a CAO, chief athletic officer of a company he helped co-found that's doing great yep. work in that space so far. And I, I think he would probably be the first to tell you, like, I, I was bored a little bit too early because what could I have done as the quarterback of the starting quarterback of Notre Dame football? Like, yep. yeah, how many positions in the world? And he's used this phrase. It's like the Pope, the Cowboys quarterback and the Notre Dame quarterback, like as far as visibility and opportunities and that limited, I'd say limited earning power, but that limited time when you're in that position, you'll never be more marketable or have access to more eyeballs than you will then. And again, great example. It did not work out for him on the field at Notre Dame. I think the way he envisioned when he got there, mm -hmm. there were some highs, but at the end he graduated and transferred. He got that Notre Dame degree and he's putting it to really good use but he could have put it to even better use or at least put that real real time education to better use if NIL was was legal mm -hmm. um the, uh when he was in school there so um great example i think of of what makes Notre Dame different and how they can potentially tailor this to the, to 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 their advantage um once they figure out a few things yeah there's no question about that that that's going to be sort of a fascinating Spin it forward. Ian Book's here. what the third string quarterback on the Saints right now, and he's got a national commercial for a Quest Bar. Yeah, what could he have gotten was... as the starting quarterback for Notre Dame, the winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history? Before last season started, I think Open Doors, where you know they throw out fact, the estimates and figures about how much players would make. I believe Ian Book was just outside the top ten in college football and NIL earning potential. Estimated that's before um, last year, before last year, make the playoff top 10 high. Sorry, yeah, we're talking yeah. about a fourth round pick. Um, who's a top 10 player in NIL potential? So that's you just and I, I believe when I I talked to Blake Lawrence who runs Open Doors, and I, I was like, all right, you've got your formulas and algorithms here. Like, tell me what Jack Cohn's NIL potential was at Wisconsin. And then tell me how it changed when he went to Notre Dame. Like, just change the school in your formula. And he's like, huh, I've never really done that before. Okay. Look at grammar. He's <laughs> like, I'll do this right now. Huh. Jack Cohn tripled his NIL potential just by changing schools from Wisconsin to Notre Dame. There you go. Like, that's, that's got to be something that Notre Dame can get out in front of uh, in a recruiting point of view. And I, that, that would appeal to people while you could just layer it on top of like all the other stuff that comes with being a Notre Dame. I mean, Nick Saban draw a lot, drew a lot of attention in the off season when he got asked about NIL at some booster banquet or whatever it was. And he said, we got a quarterback, Bryce Young, who's making seven figures and he's not even started a game for us yet. And that a lot of people reacted strongly to that. Uh, I don't know what he's making. I doubt it's seven figures, or at least I doubt it was seven figures. Then I think Nick Saban, to your point, Come be the quarterback at Alabama high school recruits. You can make a million dollars yep. before you ever take a snap here. And you're going to be damn good as Bryce Young and Mac Jones and Tua and Jalen before him have all been. So, yeah, it's about tailoring that message and um, showing the advantages that your place has. By the way, I'd be remiss not to mention, as we talk about Brandon Wimbush's accolades, he also interned at a venture capital firm with loyal listener Joe Schmidt, who is thrilled we announced his engagement on this podcast. He's only sent us... 
quite a few texts saying he hasn't listened, but others have told him about it. So Joe, if you're listening, that one's for you. <laughs> By the way, as we're talking about Brandon Wimbush and his Notre Dame accolades, I'd be remiss not to mention um, he also interned at a venture capital firm uh, while at Notre Dame out West with loyal listener, Joe Schmidt, who is absolutely thrilled that we announced his engagement on this podcast as a part of the Shamrock bump our last time out. Um, he, he swears he doesn't listen to the podcast. He just has people who listen on his behalf and report back to him. But um, this will be a real test of, of his loyalty to us by mentioning that now. I like it. I like it. Well, now that we've got into Joe Schmidt's engagement, kombucha, <laughs> and Nick Saban speaking at a summer quarterback club, uh, I think that might be a good place to wrap up our signing day uh, episode of the Shamrock. But... For our loyal listeners, uh, some good news. We are going to try to do a live room podcast in the near future. Not sure when we will do it, um, but it will be an opportunity to sort of interact with us in a kind of live format um, where we would kind of call people up to ask questions. Then Matt and I can answer the questions and then we can go through our... uh, go through our listenership that way. So it'd be kind of a, an interesting new way to uh, run the Shamrock moving forward. So Matt, it's a lot of fun for I, live questioners. You've done that I before. Did it, yeah. I, I did it with Andy Staples after the first playoff rankings and it was, um, it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. So I'm really looking forward to doing that um, with you guys. Okay. Well, we will figure out when we will do that in the near future, probably going to be sometime next week. So our Christmas gift to you. Christmas um, morning. Let's do it as we open the guest. <laughs> yes. Oh, my kids would love that. Uh, so until our, our live room early next week, or if we have uh, hopefully a guest from Notre Dame next week as well, we could have multiple podcasts on, on Christmas week here on the Shamrock. So again, Matt Fortuna, I'm Pete Sampson. Thanks for being with us on this latest episode of Shamrock. Shamrock.